0: We are beginning a new series tonight on the gospel of Jesus Christ. This will be part one in a four part series. So, Lord willing, over the next four weeks, we're going to be learning the four basic aspects of the gospel. My prayer is that after this month, after the month of February, you're going to be able to go to your friends, family members, anybody in your life who doesn't know Jesus, and you're going to be able to walk them through a simple, straightforward, biblically rooted presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And just to make sure we're on the same page of what we're talking about here, uh, would somebody be willing to just share maybe in just one sentence, one simple sentence, what we mean when we say the gospel? What are we talking about when we speak of the gospel? Okay, Jesus, yeah, he's definitely at the center of the gospel. What's specifically about Jesus? I'm sorry, say that again, Cole. His, yeah, story and how he lived his life. And what's specifically about that story of Jesus' life? What, what, what is it about that life of Christ that we share in the gospel? You guys are hitting right around it, the very good thoughts already. His teachings, it's good, very good, very important stuff. Let me make sure we are all on the same page tonight. And Lord willing, by the time we get to the end of our series in a month, you guys are going to be able to recite this in your sleep. So the word gospel, if anybody ever asks you, hey, what is the gospel? Well, the word gospel itself just means good news. Okay, so gospel equals good news. Okay, so anytime you hear the word gospel, you're going to think, okay, good news. That's what we're talking about here. Now, what good news? And this is what Denton and Cole were touching on. The gospel is the good news that Jesus lived a perfect life, He died on the cross bearing God's wrath on behalf of all who would ever believe that He was resurrected from the dead following His crucifixion. Three days after being crucified, He was raised from the dead. And that He ascended into heaven after appearing to more than 500 witnesses. That is a very straightforward depiction or or picture of the gospel. Jesus' perfect life, His death on the cross his resurrection from the dead, and his ascension into heaven for all who would ever believe. So if you trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you trust in that message, then you will be forgiven of your sins by God, and you will have eternal life in his heavenly kingdom. So this gospel message, everything that we just talked about here in the past two minutes, that's going to be reiterated again and again and again again. Over the next month of our series. So, um, with that in mind, let's turn our attention to the first step that we're going to be covering tonight. We've got a 30,000 foot flyover of where we're going to be going over the next month. But where do we start? Where, Where do we start when we present the gospel? Well, notice the first blank in your handouts. Step one God is holy. So, we just got done singing about together. I think we had two songs, about ten minutes, over and over and over again, right? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Only a holy God. Step one of the Gospel is all about that theme we just sung together. God is holy. Now the word holy is something that we throw around a lot in Christian circles. I'd imagine if you grew up in a wand, if you've been coming to Metro East for a while, you've probably heard the word holy and you've probably heard of the holiness of God on several different occasions. So with that in mind, just, just to make sure we're being reminded of those truths that we've grown up hearing, or maybe if you're here tonight, you've never heard of the holiness of God, this would be helpful for you as well. Would somebody be willing to define what that means? What is the holiness of God? What does it mean... For God to be holy. And we just got done singing about it for 10 minutes, right? So it's probably important that we know what we're singing. What does it mean when we say that God is holy? Okay, totally fine. Uh, We will definitely know what it means for God to be holy by the end of our time together tonight and certainly by the end of our four-part series. So when we consider the term holy, H-O-L-Y, when we, when we consider what it means for God to be holy, we're talking about God being set apart. The, the literal word itself means to cut or to to be separate from. So so when we say God is holy, we're saying God is set apart. And He's set apart in, in two specific ways. God is set apart in the fact that That he's the only God who exists and he created all things out of nothing. So God is set apart from creation as the one who created all things. And God is holy in the sense that he's set apart in his moral perfection. Okay, a lot of you guys probably when you grew up uh, learning about the holiness of God in a one or Sunday school or whatever context you were being discipled in. That aspect of holiness is probably at the heart of what you learn. God is absolutely morally perfect. So he's set apart as the only creator, and he's set apart in his moral perfection. God is holy. And there's many places we can go in the Bible to get a grasp of the, uh, the, the picture or or the um, explanation of God being holy. But one of the most clear, maybe maybe the most famous texts in all of Scripture that describes God as holy is found in the book of Isaiah, specifically Isaiah chapter 6. And as you guys know, for the past several weeks now, I think this is our fourth time gathering together. I'm in the habit of giving you handouts. One side is for you and your parents. going to really get into the weeds of what we talked about tonight. The other side, though, is for you to take notes and to read Bible references that we're going to be covering tonight. So I'd encourage you to follow along on that side of the handout that has the Bible references. We're going to read Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 7. And tonight... Verse 3 of Isaiah 6, that's our key verse. So in four weeks from now, when we're done with this series, when when you're going through the four-step process of sharing the gospel, and you say God is holy, your mind immediately is going to go to Isaiah 6, 3, or to the broader context of Isaiah 6, chapter uh, chapter 6, verses 1 and 7. So feel free to follow along as we read that text together. In fact, if I can get a volunteer to read verses 1 through 4, Right there, we'll take verses 1 through 4. And who'd like to take verses 5 through 7? Remember, verse 3 is our key text, but we want to look at the broader picture of that passage. So who wants to read verses 5 through 7? Alright, perfect. Thank you so much. Alright, whenever you guys are ready, take it away. Very good. And in verses five through seven. For I am and I of Then Very good. Thank you guys so much for reading. I know it takes a lot of bravery to volunteer to read in front of a big group like this. So thank you all so much. And I trust you guys all were able to follow along in that passage. Um, As we reflect on what we just read together from Isaiah 6, what was Isaiah's reaction to the vision that he had of God's holiness? What do we see? From Isaiah in his response, particularly in verse 5. What do you see in verse 5? Yes? He realized, he, he realized how unholy he was. That is absolutely right. Remember, look what he just said there in verse 5. So important. That's going to get to the heart of what we're going to say in just a few moments. Verse five, Isaiah proclaims, woe is me for I am lost. I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. So so Isaiah's response to the holiness of God, it was one of terror and dread. He, he had a encounter with the living God. And at that moment, in light of encountering God's holiness, he realized maybe for the first time in his whole life, how unholy he is. And we can say that if we rightly understand God's holiness, we ourselves in our heart of hearts will have a similar experience. You see, against the backdrop of God's holiness, we come to recognize that we're anything but holy. We we have the same reaction that Isaiah had. And we recognize that in contrast to God, against the backdrop of His moral perfection, against the backdrop of Him being absolutely set apart from His creation, we recognize that we're sinners, that we're imperfect beings, that we miss the mark. That's what it means to sin. That we fall short of the glory of God, of the standard of God. And in the final analysis, we should recognize against the backdrop of God's holiness, that if left to ourselves, we have no hope of standing before a holy God. If this God is holy, holy, holy as Scripture declares Him to be, we have no hope if left to ourselves. Because, if I could borrow the terminology of Isaiah, we are unholy, unholy, unholy. So when we go about sharing our faith with others, this raises a very important question. Why do you think it's important for us to start our Gospel presentation with the holiness of God? Why would it be necessary, do you think, if we're going to share the good news of Jesus with people who don't know him, people who aren't Christians, why start with the holiness of God? Why not start with something else? Yes? Yeah, great thought. That's absolutely a good thought. What else, though? Okay, if the gospel's the good news, what is that? What does that mean? So, if there's good news, that usually means that there's what kind of news? Bad news, right? And what's the bad news, do you think? For us, there's a holy God. We're going to have to give an account to him someday. We're sinful. Why do you think that's bad news? Right, yeah, so, so, so God's holy, and He says in Scripture, He says in the Old Testament, Leviticus, and the New Testament, in 1 Peter 1.16, that we are to be holy as God is holy. That's the standard. Because God is morally perfect, His standard is moral perfection. And because He's holy, 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 He's perfect in justice. He can't just let people who are imperfect into His heavenly kingdom. He can't have an eternal relationship with with people who have committed sin. So, if we're going to share the good news about Jesus and that He offers salvation to all who will ever believe, we've got to first understand why we need a Savior to begin with, right? We've got to first rightly understand that in light of God's holiness, we have a major problem. And when we get that, the good news of the Gospel becomes really, really good news. It's only through faith in Jesus Christ, my friends, that any of us can be forgiven of our sins committed against God and welcomed into his kingdom as an adopted son or daughter. Look in your handouts at the next scripture reference there. It's the last one we'll look at tonight before we prepare to break out into our small group time. Hebrews chapter 7, verses 25 and 26. Hebrews chapter 7, verses 25 and 26. And 26. I'm going to volunteer to read those two verses for us. Jaden, I saw your hand. Very good. Thank you for reading that. Um, very beginning of verse 26 is the key. It was indeed fitting. It was absolutely necessary, the writer to the Hebrews says, that Jesus, acting as a high priest, that He would be holy and innocent, unstained, separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens. If we're going to have a relationship with a perfect God, we need a perfect Savior, we need a perfect sacrifice. And when we look at the holiness of God, when we rightly consider it, like Isaiah, we will be led to flee to the mercy and grace of God found exclusively through the person and work of Jesus Christ. That's what we're going to be talking about over the next uh, three weeks. Now, since this is our first week in this series, my prayer is that as we do, as we go through this series, you and I will come to be further gripped by the holiness of God, the weightiness of our sin, but the sweetness. Of salvation, of God's mercy and grace and love that's found through faith in Jesus Christ. And as we prepare now to break into our time of small group discussions, I just want to leave two questions with you. Two questions for you to consider. These are really going to be important questions to consider over the next few weeks. Question one: Are you currently trusting in Jesus Christ for your salvation? Are you trusting in Jesus Christ and him alone for your salvation? It's an important question for us all to answer because there's eternal consequences based on how we answer that question. Number two, have you entrusted all of your life to the perfect care of the holy God? What do I mean by that? Well, I I simply mean this. Is God the Lord of your life? Not perfectly, I'm not asking if you never commit sin, I'm not asking if you never make mistakes, but my question is, are you trusting in Jesus? And is there evidence that He is Lord over your life? That, that, those are the two questions I want us to return to over the next few weeks. And if any of you guys have any questions about what it means to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you have any questions about any of the material that we're going to discuss in our lessons and in our time of small group discussion, please never hesitate to come to myself or some of our group leaders. But with that being said, let's break out into our small groups. We're going to think about the holiness of God. And we're going to think about how it should matter to us.